Thank you very much, Naomi. Life is day by day. As she was singing, I couldn't help but think about Matthew 6, 33, where Jesus says, you know, you trust God, but then he says, you know, each day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> Life brings with it trouble, but also victory, but we walk in humble dependency upon the Lord day by day. Next week is Father's Day. I encourage you to invite your fathers, your sons, your <clears throat> Teenage sons, younger boys, or whoever, as we seek to talk about men being husbands, being fathers, next week. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your word, grateful for revealing yourself to us as we interact with several passages from Genesis this morning. I want to be open, sensitive to hearing, applying in our lives. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Have you ever heard the saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? It's used to communicate that some people, especially older people, cannot change. You know, we want to reach children while they're young because they might not be as reachable as adults. And we make that claim. God, as our Father, is not limited to whom he can reach in terms of age. Adam and Eve were created as adults. Noah was 500 years old when the Lord called him to build an ark. Abram was 75 years old when God called him. Moses was 80 years old when the Lord called him to lead Israel out of Egypt. But on the flip side, we know that God called Samuel when he was a child. We can't put God in a box and say he works in young people, or he works in middle age, or he works in older. God is God. He will work. Today we want to look at several passages from Genesis concerning the life of Abram or Abraham, depends on when we're considering. Abraham was 75 years old when the Lord spoke to him. Yes, he was old, but not a dog. Nor was he being dealt with by some other humans, but he was being dealt with by the Lord. God works, reveals himself in those who are older as well as younger. But looking at an older Bible character this morning, we'll look at several passages this morning and we'll consider some again tonight. God revealing himself to Abraham. We'll look at a passage, several passages. We'll mention the circumstances briefly, how old Abraham was at the time. The name of God that is being revealed as God reveals himself to Abram. The meaning of the name and then a fact about that name. So let's take our Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And in chapter 11, there's a little mention about the genealogy of Abraham. Terah was his father, and Terah would have taken his son, Abram, his grandson, Lot, and they would have left Ur the Chaldeans and went to Haran. But Genesis 12, beginning with verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. 
I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Murrah at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And Abram set out and continued toward the Najib. As we think about this passage of Scripture, just a little background, we know that Abraham grew up in Ur of the Chaldeans, And with his father, Terah, would have traveled up to Haran. And Genesis 12 is taking place when Abraham is in this location. And he comes down to what we call the promised land. And notice the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's Household and go to the land I will show you. The Lord is calling Abram, or Abraham, but Abram at this point in time, to leave. And then we look at the latter part of chapter 12 when we find that Abram goes into Egypt. And then in chapter 13, would have returned from Egypt, and Abram and Lot, his nephew, separate because too many herds and herdsmen and so on. We know that Lot took the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abram ended up in the hills. Look at chapter 13 and verse 14. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Lift your eyes from where you are and look north and south, east and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the land, or the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. Now you will find... In chapter 12 and verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram. In verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram. And in verse 14 of chapter 13, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him. The name Lord is used, and it means continuous, self-existing, and independent. The Lord appears to Abraham, the independent continuous, self-existing one, is revealing himself to Abram. Go to land I will show you. Where am I going, Lord? I will show you. 
But Lord, where am I going? I will show you. So someone says to you, God says to you, I want you to go to another country. Well, where am I going? I will show you. And as you think about this name of the Lord, the name of God, Lord, continue self-existing one, we identify people so much by age. Well, how old were they when they died? Someone says, well, I can't wait to turn 16. We're talking to someone, well, how long have you been around? Jerry came in this morning and he mentioned, you know, I didn't seem to change a lot. We're all dealing with age. How old is God? Is a billion years old? No. Two billion? No. 999 billion? No. He always exists. The one who is independent, continuous, self-existing, says to Abram, God is revealing himself to Abram as the one who is Lord. Independent, self-existing one. And as you read scripture, it depends on the translation, but NIV along with King James, when you see Lord in the Old Testament in caps, we're talking about the one who's continuous, self-existing, independent. The Lord pursued Abram. He established a covenant with Abram in chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. He continues to pursue Abram in chapter 13 and beyond. The Lord begins to reveal himself to Abram. I'm the independent, self-existing, continuous one. And by the way, this happens when Abram is an old man, 75. God acts. God promises God pursues. That's the nature of the Lord. God reveals himself. He's revealing himself to Abram as the Lord. And this comes out as you look at Abram's life. That God was revealing himself as a continuous one. The independent, self-existing one. And it's interesting also in this passage that God protects Abram. Abram went into Egypt. And we know that Abram was concerned about his own life. And he said to his wife, Sarai, tell them you're my sister. Now, he was kind of a selfish guy, wasn't he? She was his half-sister, yes. Tell them you're my sister so that they don't hurt me. But we find that God protected Because the text says in verse 17 of chapter 12, but the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So God begins to reveal himself as Lord to Abram. Then we go to chapter 14. And as we think about chapter 14, we find that Lot had pitched his goods, his life, In the well-watered plains, Sodom, Gomorrah, and so on. Abram is in the hills. And what is taking place is that some kings get together and they attack the king of Sodom, Gomorrah, and several other cities. And they end up getting the victory. And what happens? Lot and his household is taken captive along with the goods. 
Abram hears about this, and he pursues the kings. And I want you to notice in verse 14 of chapter 14, when Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Now, Abraham, or Abram at this point in time, called out 318 of his men. We're dealing with a guy of wealth. We're dealing with a guy that had a lot of, what would you call, leadership ability. He says he called 318 men, born in his house, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Now, we read this passage sometimes and just kind of say, well, it happened. But I want you to get a little feel for what is going on. Abraham would have been somewhere in this area. No, not necessarily at Jericho, Jerusalem, but near the Dead Sea. He pursued as far as Dan... And then you'll find it mentions they went as far as north of Damascus. We're not dealing with a distance of five or ten miles. We're dealing with a distance of well over a hundred miles. So Lot... His family would have been taken captive. And they end up up in this area. Abram pursues with his 318 men. It wasn't a day trip or a two-day trip. Some time is involved. Need a food supply and so on. And we know that Abram conquered And brought Lot and his family and goods back. And I want to pick up with verse 18 of chapter 14. Abram has returned with Lot and the goods that he got. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hands. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Now notice, in verse 18, he, Melchizedek, was a priest of God most high. Abram blessed, or blessed, Melchizedek is saying, blessed be Abram by the God most high, creator of heavens and earth. And then in verse 21, the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I raise my hand to the Lord, the independent self-existing one, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or a thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing 
but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me. Aner, Eshko, and Mamre, let them have their share. And there's some significant things being said here as far as God revealing himself. God has already revealed himself as the Lord, the independent self-existing one. Melchizedek recognizes God as the God most high. That's mentioned four times in this passage. What does the God, name God most high mean? It means might, possessor of heaven and earth. Here's Abram, a wealthy man, took 300 men into battle. He comes back, he brings Lot and the people of Sodom back, he brings goods back. And he says, I don't want anything from you, king of Sodom. Rather, I've raised my hand to the God Most High, to the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from you. Melchizedek and Abraham recognize that God is the possessor of heaven and earth, not the king of Sodom. Here's a wealthy man. Who do you know that has 318 employees? Their families. And Abraham is being spoken to by God, God revealing himself that I'm God most high. I'm possessor of heaven and earth. Abram recognizes the Lord as mighty and possessor, choosing to be dependent upon him alone. Here's a wealthy man with many workers, but he says, I'm dependent upon the Lord. That is God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. Now, one of the temptations of wealth And we are all wealthy here, by the way, in contrast to most parts of the world. Is to become dependent upon self. Abram calls the Lord God most high. Abram, in essence, is saying, I'm dependent. I'm dependent upon God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. So Abram recognizes his grasping God, the independent self-existing one. He's Lord. Now he's wrestling with and begin to grasp the fact that God most high, God's revealing himself as the possessor of heaven and earth. Then we go into chapter 15. And again, not sure how old Abram was at this time, probably at least late 70s or early 80s. But after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Now notice, Lord, independent self-existing one, came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord. 
What can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, You've given me no children. So a servant in my own house will be my heir. Now Abram's question is valid because in chapter 12, the Lord had said to Abram, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. If someone's going to be made in a great nation, there has to be descendants. Years have passed. No descendants. Where are the kids? Lord, you haven't given me any children. Verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but his son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Who is speaking to Abram? Sovereign Lord. Verse 6, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. Now please understand what is happening here. A covenant is going to be made. You would have two altars. On one altar, half of the animal would get laid. On the other half, or the other altar, the other half would get laid. And there was a space between them. And the people making the covenant would walk between those sacrifices together. Indicating they would fulfill the covenant that they're making. That's what is happening here. One, a second with a space between where the two parties could walk through together. Now, this is in the context of Abram saying, O sovereign Lord, how do I know that you're going to fulfill your promise to me? Look at verse 12. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated for a hundred years. Referring to what would take place in Egypt later in Abram's descendants' life. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried in a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Now note verse 17. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. Two otters, animals, one half, another half, and a 
smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. Who is going between the pieces? Verse 18. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land from the river Egypt to the great river Euphrates, to the land of the Kenites, Kenezites, Camaritites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, the Amorites, Canaanites, and Girgashites, and the Jebusites. What is happening? The Lord is going between the two orders himself. Abram is in a deep sleep. But the Lord is speaking to Abraham, or Abram, and he's making a promise. You ask a question, Abram, I'm telling you, you will have descendants. The land will be yours because I'm making an unconditional promise. Abraham had no part. He did not walk between those two with the Lord. It was the Lord himself. And I want you to notice in this context that the Lord is confirming his covenant that he made with Abraham in chapter 12. Abraham is in his late 70s or 80s. And the name of God that is being used is Adonai. He mentions sovereign Lord, Adonai, which means master, Lord. And then Lord in caps, independent, self-existing one. Now, Abram has been walking with God for a number of years. God has revealed himself or has revealed himself to the point that Abraham recognizes that God, the Lord, is Adonai, his master. His owner, if you please. A wealthy man. But Abrams began, or beginning to get the idea that this independent self-existing one, who is possessor of heaven and earth, is my master. So in essence, he's saying, Master, will you give me what you have promised? And God says, yes, I will. Abram acknowledges God as owner when he has questions. God is the one who established the covenant with Abram. God acted. God pursued. So Abram, at this point in time, grasped that God is Lord, independent self-existing one. He's possessor of heaven and earth. And he's the one who is my master. R.G. Letourneau, who was a wealthy manufacturer of earth-moving equipment in Texas. We may say he had a lot of money. He could do what I'm going to say. There's a point in time he said, I'm going to give 90% of what I make to God. And he could do that, I understand. He made megabucks. But if you read his account, his life story, he understood 
that God was his master. It wasn't about him. God was his master. God keeps his promises. The couple applications. God does not seem to be in a hurry in working in the lives of those who yield to him. The central issue is not how fast or how much we mature, but walking with the Lord and yielding us to him. God doesn't seem to be in a hurry. Passage we'll look at tonight. Abram is 99, and God reveals more of himself to him. Now, God's not in a hurry. Sometimes we get impatient. God, I'm not growing like I think I should. God says, I'm working. Just be yielded to me, and I will produce change in your life. Don't get impatient with God. Just yield to him. He matures us. He changes us. Another application, God is faithful to his covenant in his time and in his way. It seems many times he doesn't respond, act until his children are at the end of and beyond the end of their limited resources. He wants the credit. I can't is a good place for us to be as the Lord's children in daily life. Abram's a wealthy man. But he acknowledges that he is not going to give anything to the king of Sodom because I honor the possessor of heaven and earth. In chapter 15, Abram is at the end of his resources. God, I don't have any kids. God says, I know, Abram. I'll reaffirm the covenant I made with you. I want you to be at the end of your resources. Abraham's not quite there yet because he is a child by Hagar. And it's years after the child by Hagar that God comes along and says, Ishmael's not the promised son. Can you just hear Abraham saying, God, what are you doing? I'm bringing you to the end of your resources where you have no place to look but up, and you can say, I can't. One of the best places in life to be is, I can't. All I have is God, the independent self-existing one, who is possessor of heaven and earth, who is my master, who is my owner. I'll yield to him. I would challenge you to often... Meditate upon God. He's Lord. He's God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. He's sovereign. He's master. You tell me how you think about God. And I'll tell you what kind of walk you have and what kind of person you are. Think great thoughts about God as God has revealed himself. He is Lord, independent, self-existing one. 
He's God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. He's sovereign. He's owner. He's master. God has pursued us in giving us Christ so that we can have a relationship with him. That's the ultimate pursuit of God. Have you come to faith in him? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for revealing yourself progressively in the Old Testament. Revealed yourself to Abraham as Lord, independent self-existing one, as God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, as sovereign, owner, master. Challenge us, Father, to meditate much upon you, to be yielded to you, to be surrendered to you, as Abraham came to understand. And we know that we have much greater revelation than Abram because Christ came revealing you even more completely. May we be surrendered and yielded to you, Father, and walk day by day in humble dependency upon you, living for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.